0: (laughs) Good to see you. How's it going? It's going good. Yeah? You uh, made heroic efforts.
1: Oh man, yeah. uh, Fighting the
0: Hackney half marathon.
1: It was more the Uber guy that uh, wasn't very happy about the marathon. Fucking runners.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How's London been? Oh, I mean, you see it, it's fucking beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's great, huh?
0: Let's go in here.
1: What a gap as well, eh?
0: What does that mean?
1: Gaff. House. Oh,
0: yeah? <laughs> if that's what that means, then yes. Yeah. This is a hell of a gaff. Even in affable special relationship London, you don't invite just anyone into your gaff. But this week's guest, Nud Dudya, is not just anyone. He is a unicorn of a man, a Londoner raised in Zambia, self-taught in Mexican cooking, and now an undisputed leader of the London taco scene which, like quite a few things in this place, is way better than you might think. Nud is the co-founder of Bredo's Tacos, and it was my distinct pleasure to steal an hour with him on a Sunday morning at the house of my friend, the journalist Bobby Gauche, in which we raided Bobby's liquor cabinet, raised a glass of Mezcal, and talked at length about that Al Pastor life in London. This is the last of four episodes from London that I recorded in 2019. I really did not want to leave, especially given the cabal of self-dealing dunces and millionaire Brexiteers that were in charge then. Now add COVID to those challenges. But as I noted back then, London has weathered worse and came out stronger with better food each time. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. All right, well, I think, uh, I think that level sounds good. Cool. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just going to budge up my chair.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Boom. Man, I do sound like I had a drink or two last night, too. Yeah.
1: It's karaoke
0: karaoke where did he go <laughs> we, we went i have no fucking idea where we went i will tell you that um holborn is that possible yeah yeah it was fun it's a lot of shouting you know it's very uh when you come to london then you know just you gotta sing like specials
1: <laughs> yeah of the, course the kings
0: the beat. uh <laughs> You know, there's like, there's a lot of, there's, there was a lot of, a long song list to work through. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, our our uh, fantasy London karaoke playlist.
1: Some of my friends have just opened um, a place called, or they already have a restaurant called Bao, so Taiwanese Buns. Yeah. And they've opened a place around the corner from here in Borough where they're just selling, um, on the top floor is Bao Bows, on the bottom floor is a Taiwanese karaoke den
0: oh no shit and
1: um, with like full light boxes and kind yeah. of like literally styled up and they've in there they've got a um this whiskey machine it's like a whiskey vending machine it's oh. like the only one outside of japan or america or something like that and it just does whiskey sodas like you just go there and put in your money and it comes out <laughs> it's just genius
0: Uh-oh. wow yeah i think i saw one of those the uh the toki machines like suntory's got it and that's it's the one yes just...
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the only one outside of somewhere that it's not supposed to be outside. Yeah, or something.
0: I feel like if I ever wanted to just check out of this life, I would just get one <laughs> of those installed in my in your bedroom in my bedroom <laughs> and just do like full Nick Cage and leaving Las Vegas yeah. and just never recover. It'd be a good
1: way to go, man. That's for sure. Maybe <laughs> really chuck in some <laughs> I mean, acid spray as well and whiskey see what highballs on
0: <laughs> tap. It's dangerous. All right. Well, speaking of danger, we have uh, at your request, we have. Uh, gone through Bobby Ghosh's liquor cabinet and found some Mezcal. Oh, yeah. What is this stuff?
1: So this is Illegal. Um, Mezcal Joven is a young Mezcal, I guess. They also do, this brand also do an aged one. So this is the one that's been untreated, essentially. So it's kind of like entry-level, nice and clean. Should probably taste like green apples and be all right for a Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, so if you were going to say, what is a good Sunday morning Mezcal?
1: Um... This is this is like a well it, it's quite citric so I guess it's kind of like having an apple juice or an orange juice in the morning. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> just a little pick-me-up before yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you yeah. All right. That's quite a big pour. Thank Sorry. you.
0: Well, I am about to this is getaway day. I'm about to just sit on a plane for 8 hours, so that's the perfect pour. Cheers. Okay.
1: That's not too bad, is it?
0: No. Good morning. Oh, In fact, that
1: tastes too good. <laughs>
0: oh, we only have a half a bottle here. Yeah,
1: that's right. um, I've got to go and look after three kids after this. So let's see what happens. Wow.
0: <laughs> three fingers of mezcal, one for each child. Exactly. Done. Um, all right. So we are drinking mezcal um, because you are into Mexican food. <laughs> is yes. That, is that's Mexican. the right way to put it. That seems like a vast understatement. Uh, tell me, Tell me about your restaurants.
1: Um, I run three kind of different businesses with my partner Chris The first and I guess the most kind of important to us um, Which kind of helped us on this journey is a business called Bredo's Tacos We started in a car park in Hackney It was uh, this car park I'd walk past every day There's One one day I noticed there's a burger trader in there <laughs> Called Lucky Chip who became a very good friend And we, we were like maybe we should do something that isn't involving drinking every friday and saturday night in the cat and mutton which is this pub down the road and chris was a, in finance i worked in creative in advertising so it was always something that we we always sat in the pub and wax lyrical about this is shit, and i just want to do something and i always wanted to do something in food food was always my my thing i grew up in africa and I grew up fishing and hunting and my grandma catered weddings for like a thousand people and I'd be sat there with these big pots and cauldrons and stuff.
0: And that that was not preparing you for a life of creative advertising? No, not really. Agency work.
1: I I lived in Mexico um, for a while in 2000. I went traveling in a place called Puerto Escondido in Oaxaca. Um, with these kind of pipe dreams of being a pro surfer and, you know, living that kind of life. And I mean, obviously I just ate loads of tacos and drank loads of mezcal and tequila instead.
0: That's a hell of a break on the punta out there. Yeah, friend. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we loved it. And... Um, what is that? Zicoteca?
1: Is that the... Yeah, yeah. Zicoteca. Z- wow. And then the next beach along is Zipolite with these crazy currents. And like, it's just such a beautiful part of the world. Yeah. And it, you know. Anyway, so... Fast forward a few years, getting back into London life, um, kind of hating what we were doing. And um, we, we, I just came up with the idea. I was like, why don't we just do a taco shack there? There's no good tacos in London. And so we bought loads of slow cookers just because we couldn't afford an oven. And we put them on and built this shack and started selling tacos on Saturdays. And we called it Bredos because of um, it's a derivative of brethren. So like mates, brothers, whatever. So this
0: is like... Clockwork orange, orange style. You had your own like kind of weird uh, slang.
1: Yeah, it's from university actually. Okay. Yeah, so like at uni we were all stoners, and obviously we'd be like, "Hey, bredo," like which came from <laughs> "bredrin," and you know like, this yeah, is, this is your
0: version your version of droogs the Manchester droog uh, <laughs> yeah scene. All right. Um, and then
1: initially we didn't know what to call it, and in the end we we're just like, well, let's call it bredos. No one knows what it means. It's you know, it, it's us, whatever. That's how I kind of met Chris anyway. It was through the weed scene, um, or if you call it that, whatever you call that. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's he, always had the, he always had the good
0: stuff. <laughs> it's definitely a scene, man. I mean, I just went to, we went to Mag Culture yesterday to yeah. just look at, uh, look at the offerings. And, uh, yeah, there's like, a, there's a whole... It's a whole universe, a cosmos of weed content. Yeah. There's like uh, supporting high end independent weed magazines. Shout Uh, out Gossamer, man. That's uh, that's very impressive. So, you guys had met in the weed scene, which, by the way, is (laughs) like I feel like the Venn diagram between the weed scene and the taco scene is like pretty strong. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. The crossover is pretty big. Well, one feeds the other, right? And um, so, anyway, we decided to open this taco shack. Chris is really handy with wood and nails and. Unlike me, who just all I think about is food, um so he knocked up this shack, and then we kind of we had a board that we found this guy called Alex, Mister Gringo. Funnily enough, his name was. He was doodling on the staircase of the ne- next warehouse along, and I loved his style. and I was just like, Dude, can you do me a logo? And he came back ten minutes later with Bredo's the way it's written exactly. Now I've got the first B he ever wrote. He gave it to me as a gift, kind of thing, <laughs> and like that became our branding and. We still work with it. He does all of the stuff in all of our restaurants, and you know. That
0: is a trip. How many years ago are we talking now?
1: 2011. So you're, wow. you know, we're looking at ten years or whatever now. What year are we in even? I don't know. 2019. No. Yeah. So eight years, nine years. Yeah. We got really busy straight away. People started loving our food. I got, I just got lost in the black hole of we change the menu every week. Basically, uh, we only open on Saturdays. And um, I got lost in this black hole of Mexican food and regional Mexican food. I just started going deeper and deeper and deeper into research and trying to get, trying to just basically celebrate all of the things that I was learning. And Bredo's Shack, Taco Shack in Nettle Market in Hackney became this kind of like forum for me to start kind of discussing what I thought great Mexican food was. And it became really good and really busy and... I mean, within about a year and a half, I think, we were talking about kind of saying, well, fuck it, we want to do this. Everything else is shit. I'd be at, at McCann Erickson, my advertising agency. I
0: mean, well, that sounds like an upgrade and, of your earlier waxing lyrical. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like everything is shit, but now we actually have a path out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, we just, it was this crazy steep learning curve. Like, you never imagined the amount of, Like, the first day we opened, we didn't even have tortillas. We were like, fuck, where are the tortillas?
0: Well, that's an interesting it,
1: problem. Which is like the first thing you'd think someone would think about when they're opening a taco shack.
0: Were you still in the weed scene when you forgot the tortillas no, on the first no, day? No, no, <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, no, no. <laughs> I left that weed scene a long time ago. Um, no, no, it's uh, very much no. <laughs> but, but it's it's, it's um, hard
0: enough to just yeah, keep, keep track of inventory. So uh,
1: t- I'll tell you what a typical kind of, the shack anyway, a typical Friday, Stroke Saturday because we used to do these short rib tacos that we'd cook in these slow. We had like a bank of slow cookers, these Morphe, they cost 35 quid, and we had like 10 of them all, all underneath <laughs> the lining of the shack because we all plugged in with like oh, man. extension lead upon an extension lead kind of vibe. That sounds
0: totally up to code. So
1: we'd um, finish work, Chris had finished early because he was in finance. He'd cycle to the ginger pig, which was like we were still buying our meat at normal customer prices, like no wholesale vibes at this point, because we didn't even know how that happened. He'd cycle over to the Ginger Pig, pick out these incredible short ribs. I'd finish work, we'd meet at the pub, we'd sink four or five Guinness, and then we'd jump over the wall to get to our shack, sear off the ribs, make the sauce for the ribs, make the adobo, get those ribs into the cookers, go back to the pub, have a few more, and essentially on the way home just jump over the fence one more time and make sure that the lids of the slocus weren't overcooking with all the the release juices the short ribs (laughs) and then go home pass out first one to wake up would peg it down there and pull out all these ribs that are just falling apart and tender and then we'd start our day we basically did that for like a year and a half that was the routine every single week apart from once when chris didn't turn up at all and that was the night he met his girlfriend which he's still going out with now so he's kind of just about forgiving him for <laughs> right. having chosen that day love it was so over busy. yeah
0: he did oh man but, yeah. that's a tough uh well yeah i mean sometimes you just gotta prioritize yeah. on a given night I so you would leave this stuff cooking overnight nobody to watch it yeah no guarantee that the whole thing wasn't burned down yeah
1: so one night we were doing, so it's actually, we're the current champions, but there's a thing called Taco Wars in London. So okay. It's like a competition for the best taco. All right. And um, it's actually on Tuesday this week. The, the it f- is. It's back after five years of hiatus. It's what the back. fuck is wrong with me? I'm I missing know, Taco stayed. War. But we, um so the first Taco Wars, we did this exact thing with the ribs in, and then I did this crazy taco. I was like, fuck it, we're going we're going psycho so we decided to get popping candy that I then um, you know that tajin spice you get in Mexico it's like a oh yeah yeah it's like in a long bottle that's beautiful so, stuff so I put that into popping candy we made pipettes with hot sauce we just made this crazy so like coke. pop rocks like yeah that. like pop rocks with tajin so when it went in your mouth it just like just went crazy with the short rib and the fat and Anyway, it was, it was a long story, but um, someone nicked our short ribs overnight. It was the first time we got broken into, so we uh, I think I think we were kind of someone tried to sabotage, sabotage you sabotage us yeah. for the taco wars. Yeah, well, it is a war. war. <laughs> exactly.
0: Jesus, man, it's in the name. You can't yeah. you can't come expecting uh, you know a non-militant uh, engagement. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. Pop rocks with tahini. You know, because one thing I I have gotten to know about Mexicans over. Over the decades, is is uh, they'd like to like just fuck up their face with some of the things they eat. I mean, like yeah. takis. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. just like that—that <laughs> that is the thing that kids like pop in the mouth after school, which is just like an explosion of yeah. just like chili powder and you know every kind of artificial sodium known to man. So um, I think you you would probably be singing singing to them. All right, so then you go. Uh, you know, the the great uh, short weird heist, notwithstanding, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the business survives. Yeah. Uh, we you, won. You won.
1: Yeah, the current champions. How did you, uh, so you. The worst thing is they give you a thousand pounds when you win in cash on the day. No shit. After you've been drinking tequila since
0: 9 a.m. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Um, so what did you do? Yeah, I can't remember. I remember
1: my girlfriend's parents were visiting at the time and I don't think I was in a very good state the next day.
0: You're like whatever man I'm, I'm i just won a war I had the i'm had i coming home I, from battle i
1: think i fell asleep with the trophy okay in my arms all right
0: so even if the thousand pounds uh some, that, you know that disappeared somewhere away on angel wings uh you still had the trophy um how did you decide then because it's almost like a cliche i feel like you know i've seen bradley cooper do this in a movie role or something yeah yeah absolutely, whoever like yeah. you know the the move from the Uh, from the truck to the the storefront yeah Yeah.
1: we had a bit of a transition point which was we were invited to trade at this thing called street feast in london which is kind of like this containers um an incredible kind of street food kind of emporium if you if you will where it's open wednesday to sunday every week people can go there after work at lunchtime whatever but it's got vibes the guy that runs it jonathan's really into vibes, so there's always really great music the, the design of it is not kind of what um you know vanilla it's very much him it's rundown. it's containers beautifully hand-painted signs and neons and you know it kind of feels like blade runner meets a hawker market in hong kong kind of vibe it's really really cool wow so we invited to do that and that was kind of when chris and i said well now we're looking at a business that could earn enough money for us both to live off and so him hating his job a lot more than I hated mine, being in a hedge fund or whatever the hell he was. He quit
0: straight away. <laughs> he was like, me first. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, good for him.
1: And, uh, and then we just started trading there, and it was going really well. And then it just logically got to the point where we were asked to write a book by Hardy Grant, Quadril Publishing, which we were kind of a bit like, we, we were only three or four years old at the time, and yeah. we had no idea what we were doing still. But it seemed like a good thing at the time. And then an investor approached us um, to open our first restaurant.
0: That book came out in 2016, right? Yeah, 16. Um, and it's a great book. It was a
1: fun book. <laughs> we, yeah, I mean, we we decided in true Bredo style to just go on an adventure. So we drove, we did this huge, we called it the taco trail. So we thought, well, if we're going to write a book about tacos, we have to consume as many tacos as we like. And Bredo's has always been more it became a lot more kind of L.A., West Coast Mexican food than Mexican regional, you know, my abuelas yeah. style recipes just because I found more, when I was developing recipes and when I was thinking about Mexican food, I've, I found more similarities with my own culture and with my own not bringing in the food that I eat in London with the way in which um, pochos in in L.A. relate to their food. They, take, they borrow flavors from the people they grew up with, like Koreans, Chinese, Japanese. Like Wes from Guerrilla Taco is a really good friend of mine, and like we have su- super similar approach in cooking. In fact, he came and cooked at our restaurant a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, you guys have uh, you've done some crossover event. Yeah. well that, it, I, I did not expect to hear the word pocho in uh, in London, but yeah, yeah, it's pocho culture. Like that's definitely I love a good it. thing. Yeah, it's like. Uh, well, it's a little discombobulated. Yeah. And it's great.
1: I quite like it. I like the fact that if I want to put some Szechuan on my octopus tostada, I can. And I can use black vinegar if I want from China. And, I, you know, like, it tastes good. It's fine. I'm not Mexican. I'm not trying to be Mexican. And therefore, I don't have to kind of, like, get up to this altar of, like, this is the most authentic thing you're ever going to eat. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'll study that food and I'll know that food and I'll read as much as I can about that food. But I want to do my own thing.
0: Yeah, well, let's get into that, because I think, you know, obviously in the States, and pochos have to deal with this as, yeah. as much as anyone, it's like there there is a kind of authenticity race oh, yeah. that can be a good corrective, but it can also be oppressive. You yeah, know? I guess it's depending on whose perspective you're coming from. Absolutely. Um, but for me, the, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so psyched to talk to you is like, I feel like Mexican culture has this way Uh, Put it this way, you know, one of the first interviews I did in the London series here was with an old friend of mine who, like me, was a Russophile, you know, from from Wales. And and I was from Key West, Florida, (laughs) never had any reason to be interested in Russia or something. But somehow you just like I find it actually kind of inspiring that a place could like get you so jacked up and just like let you feel like you're leaving your own bubble, whatever that is, and be inspired by it. And. The idea, and I've I've now talked to people making and eating Mexican food all around the world, Mm. like, I think it's pretty great. Like, Mexican food is fucking awesome. And And it is in a way that, like, will draw people in to its sphere that, you know, did not grow up you know learning yeah. how to make masa from the abuela like that just
1: that's the thing though but mexican food is inherently made up of as i know this has been said so many times and dave chang and you know all the famous people that talk about it but it's made up of other cultures foods as well you know and uh, pastor arabes like it's come from many many cultures and it's come from many many people and i think um yeah fair enough there's i'm just fucking around with the whole notion of, in my head anyway, of like, I think Alex Stupak said, you can put anything on a a taco, use it as an edible plate, and it's just, it works for some reason in my head, it just makes sense to create these little plates of deliciousness, and it doesn't, yeah, we do do a cochinita pibil sometimes, but then we'll do a massive fried chicken taco and there's nothing wrong with that it's fun food it's just you know it doesn't take itself too seriously and it is delicious
0: i don't get a, like a single self-serious vibe from <laughs> what you guys <laughs> yeah. do starting from the name uh you yeah bretto's on down and i i have to say in full disclosure we uh we went and uh had a taco and i you know i do have a she's not oppressive but you know uh my wife being uh her mom being from mexico she grew up in la eating mexican food she's always you know she's always going to be my my north star when it comes to like am i tasting this right is this she fucking love that fish taco oh, man that's good that's good <laughs> so it's like whatever is happening and you know we're just like the worst you know west coast snobs too when it comes to new york where we're always bitching it's probably because we don't get out to corona and queens (laughs) often enough but like you know we're just like really upset at the quality of mexican food but uh to find it here which is you know what i had heard about your spot too is i mean that's that's fucking fantastic and then the backstory is like it is what it is it's not it's not up for um, deconstruction about how it is, you know, whether you have the right to serve Mexican food, yeah. you know. It's like you're making delicious food. Yeah. Like, you know, let, let, let the haters sort out the, you know, the well, kind of backstory. The,
1: that's the thing, mate. You mentioned the fish taco, but when we actually, to not to create that recipe, but as part of the book research thing. We went on this huge trip and we drove from pretty much from San Francisco all the way down to Ensenada and we ate literally 15-20 meals a day and just as many tacos as we could physically consume.
0: That sounds a little fucked up.
1: It was really <laughs> fucked up. It was just me and Craig and, and you know we documented it in for the book called it the taco trail and it was like this three and a half week intense marathon eating session where you just get to the point where you just food doesn't taste like food anymore it just tastes like something you're putting in your mouth and it really doesn't feel good <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like what separates the wheat from the chaff right when you eat something when you're that full and you're like fuck, I need another one of them. Now. Yeah, like you know. somebody
0: somebody broke through your just general uh, sort of haze of gluttony. Exactly.
1: And like when we got to Baja California, we met up with some of the guys from L.A. They were there for the Baja Culinary Conference. And we went out on this taco eating tour at 2 a.m. This guy called Bill Espaza, I don't know if you know him. Oh, yeah,
0: sure. The saxophone player. Yeah. Professional so sax player, amazing writer. He's doing taco tours now in L.A. Club uh, Tango Hombre. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm,
1: and I, I, I know him quite well. We've been out to Tacolandia like in 2016, the same year we wrote the book. Yeah. And we were like the the only British people to be at this. Like it was like taking eyes to the Eskimos. It was so fucking embarrassing. And we were like just <laughs> trying to, and we had like a British flag and Fredo's tacos. It was just kind of so embarrassing. And all these people like, you have tacos in England? You're like, Yeah, we do. Do you wanna try one? <laughs> so we went with this crazy like I was like, Fuck it, we're going we're going proper British. So I did a mole with black pudding. So I did like a blood pudding mole with like raw uh Tatar steak, toasted buckwheat and like we just went like this is gonna be you know our stamp on it which is great and it's really well received but like bill and those guys are you know he's he's he loves you know he he, what does he call him? the world's first taco or something like that right (laughs) yeah yeah so he knows his stuff oh yeah we met up with those guys we went on this crazy taco eating tour in in tijuana and eating at these places that only open for the people from the town that that guy's from right Mm -hmm. so like at 2 a.m we're eating these insane condensate tacos just like whoa where where does that even come from and it was awesome to meet all these guys who I've seen as or kind of regarded as my peers for that long and then learn from them and be with them and then invite them to come and cook in our restaurants in London. And that's kind of like my way of kind of going, well, that's the respect that I have for the right. people that have, and the Mexican culture and whatnot, you know. But yeah, we, we learned a lot on that tour. It was an insane three and a half weeks of eating.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that we have learned fortuitously, very gladly over the past while in uh in london is this, this is a fuck of an eating town you know oh, like you can eat incredibly well it, you know i i try not to eat out in new york because it's uh it's obnoxious <laughs> on some level like just to see i mean there's great places but whatever like you i've got a lot of kids i'm not like i'm not out there to you know be on the scene but i'm pretty sure that whatever london's got you know stays up there or above just in terms of whatever Fantastic food. So why not have Mexican yeah. in that in that palette, right? Like, if this is a town that's going to take food this seriously, you might as well bring some of this stuff, like very Absolutely. correctly.
1: You know, we we opened Bredos at the same time in London. There's two other places or three other places, but one of the other places was Tacos El Pastor, which is run by two very good friends of ours and we're all mates like in the taco scene or whatever the weed well scene except for the motherfucker that
0: stole your ribs
1: yeah don't, well <laughs> hopefully he's like somewhere in the ground
0: anyway <laughs> <How> um, got <Godly> what <laughs> he deserved alright I'm gonna pour uh, yeah do it another. it's going down well huh? it's coming down real well I mean what is it it's not quite 10 o'clock on Sunday morning but you know all, not everybody's church looks the same.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the Church of Agave for sure. <laughs> but um, but back to like the London yeah scene, and you know, there's people. Like we, uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier before we started the interview when when we opened Brothers. It was the day before our, our machinery arrived from Mexico, so we we were going to be the we wanted to be the only people in London doing. Well, we didn't want to be, but we were like, fuck it. If we're going to do it. We're going to do. My, um, we're going to next. Um, we're going to make our own next mail gonna import our own corn and we you know, we had never even done it before and the machine arrived into Hamburg two days before and Chris had to pull in two all nighters in a van, I don't know how he did it, to go and grab this machinery. Just but,
0: driving the ship from Hamburg and then through the channel or something. Yeah, yeah. That's and
1: then he, he got back here and we plugged the fucker in and it was just spitting massa out back at us. we I mean like we've got all this press coming, all these people coming for the press review press night. And the, the fucking thing wasn't working, and luckily Chris is actually like an electronic, and he, he's just one of those guys. You're like that isn't working, he's like leave it with me. He set up another night, fixed the fucking machine to go the right way around, and the following morning we had like pristine massa. Like I'm talking tortillas that are puffing, and you know I, I put a thing on Instagram, and they're like you're gonna get married, and you know like all well, the like <laughs> we couldn't believe it. The... the I think it was like the third tortilla we put on the kumal and was like puffing away. And I was like, fuck me. How have we done that? Wow. How did, did anyone record the recipe? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the third tortilla in your uh, store existence was then the best and yeah. never to be repeated. Um, <laughs> but no, it's... Um, you the, got back to that great height. Yeah,
1: but like the idea of just having people doing next to mal in London and importing chilies. And I know Rosio really well in Copenhagen and... You know what she? I remember going to Noma actually, and um, it was before she started, and we were doing brothers, and that's how I got to know her. She was in her fermentation in one of the fermentation bunkers at the old Noma. <laughs> right. Renee had given her like this space to work out of, and uh, she was there with Lara, and they were like fucking around with with masa and stuff like that. And you know, there there isn't enough good Mexican food in in Europe, and it's great that in London there's like three people now, four people. Importing corn, doing like uh, making a tortilleria like it's cool. I mean,
0: you just and you do have to try. You have to figure it out because there are some things that are super replaceable. Like you know, you want to be working with like great British meat. You know, like that's not the question, but just figuring out like fuck this corn thing. Like yeah, you you can't you can't do anything but put it on a ship and and get it over here from Mexico. Yeah, I mean,
1: we tried with Santiago is a good friend of mine, Santiago Lustra, and like he's always he worked at the Nordic food lab and he was working around with doing masa from buckwheat and Oland wheat and all these different kinds of, you know, European grains, but it's just not the same. I mean, the calcium gives that kind of masa flavor, no matter what you do. Right. You get that kind of like someone's making tortillas, you can smell it. Yeah. But then there's just something in the, in the gumminess and the chewiness. It just, you know, I, I did a, an, an evening with a Thai, Thai chef friend and he wanted to make buckwheat tacos so we did it, and it, I mean, they smell of tortillas. But there's there's like this element that kind of you miss. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this isn't a tortilla. There's
0: a reason why. So there's some stuff you can fuck yeah. around with, right? So. <laughs> I mean, it's right. It's going back to what Stupak was saying, right? It's it's the plate. Yeah. Right. Like you, like you kind of have to have the plate. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, have you seen that? Like, what's the craziest thing you've done with the tortilla that you think had worked? Or it's basically like the tortillas. Just that's got to be your like. I mean, we your canvas.
1: We, uh, Bredos, I don't know if you had the arabes taco. I got I get into loads of shit for this taco, and um, there's a lady from Pueblo that doesn't like me very much because I basically like it's like a. A, a lot slow. of are hard people too. So. Yeah, man. Tell me about <laughs> it. But anyway, we so we we do this like um, we ferment crema with um, like a flour tortilla for like three days and we, it kind of like puffs up when you grill it. So it, it's in a cross between like a naan bread, uh pita bread and a Mexican wheat tortilla you get like this really weird consistency
0: right and designed to uh, anger people from all three places exactly that's,
1: that's my that's, that is just my shtick that's what I do how can I piss off people
0: how can I unite the world in hatred of what I've done to their flatbreads exactly
1: yeah so um, yeah I did a burrata the other day for a pop-up I did and it was like burrata sata negra kimchi <laughs> it's something like, else
0: this time he's gone too far so Koreans, Italians, in <laughs> an, an unusual alliance. And Angelica,
1: uh, those um, we picked some Angelica on the way to the restaurant in Oslo. So there's a bit of Norway in there as well. Uh,
0: right? And they can they can all just um, uh, learn learn to, to curse the day that you got a hold of their uh, their ingredients. Yeah. So tell me a, a bit about your background. So you are from the UK, but you grew up in Africa?
1: No, I'm, fr- I'm from Zambia, actually. I, I was born in Zambia. Uh-huh. I lived there for like the first 10 years of my life with my my parents and my, my whole family with classic kind of Indian background family of like, my dad's got 25 brothers and 13 sisters or whatever, you know, like their cousins and families and that guy who All you don't even Zambia. know. If, yeah. And you don't even know if you're related to him, but he's always been around kind of thing. And it was like a community life. I mean, we were lucky that my uncle owned a couple of safari camps and a hunting lodge, and everything was focused around being outdoors, fishing, hunting. Every holiday, we'd go fishing and hunting, and I was exposed to cutting fish, cooking fish outside over fire and skinning animals and all that kind of stuff from from a very, very young age. I mean, I've got a scar on the top of my head from the first time I tried shooting a, a rifle, and it just relayed back and smacked me in the head and knocked me out. I think I was about eight when that happened. So like, Jesus,
0: it's like a Christmas story. But yeah, in but Zambia.
1: um, but yeah, Zambia was, and I used to go back. We we moved to the UK when I was about ten, and then I'd just go back for every holiday. I was like totally addicted to that lifestyle. And I just wanted to be there. And cooking was always an integral part of family life. You have like your Saturday braai, where everyone's like competing for the best marinade for the steak and. Look at this piece of meat how cool is that that you know people would always if they went fishing they'd bring you back fish or who can make the best biltong there was it was quite competitive amongst kind of my family like my my dad's one of my dad's sisters is really good at making weirdly african tacos believe it or not she used to make injera you know the yeah. the ethiopian kind of flatbread okay is injera yeah, is i am saying yeah, sure. right? but she'd make that and then she'd like put her stuff on top of it kind of thing. So maybe that's where the genesis of Bredos came from. But, <laughs> but right. like, you know, we'd have like tacos. Your bloodline has like, been
0: fucking it. with the format for, for quite a while, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's but, fascinating. But
1: I grew up around a big culture of food uh, as like, I know this is so typical a typical story, but like my grandmother's obviously like the matriarch of it all. But then, um, yeah, Africa is, is such an interesting place. And Now, did you guys,
0: I, I, I don't know much about what was going down in, Zambia were there the same kind of pogroms that you saw elsewhere like instability being like of Indian descent mm-hmm. there or it was like the move here was more just like opportunities
1: I think uh, it was mainly because my parents wanted to try and salvage their marriage kind <laughs> oh, yeah. of
0: come to, come to London <laughs> for love yeah. didn't work but anyway you know <laughs> wait you know it was worth a try um,
1: I it up here which is great you know, yeah and um,
0: and now you're like a city kid how did how did I mean yeah. like do you go out and just like start firing rifles uh, <laughs> you know in the in the countryside the nearest... Sad-
1: sadly not no yeah. no, no I'm, I've, I've lost all of that I haven't actually been back to Zambia for about eight years now um I tend to focus any kind of travel I have now unfortunately around Mexico and yeah. or fortunately around and eating so like any kind of like relationship I guess i had to zambia has kind of been weathered away by these many years of going to mexico well
0: until you get back into that zambian taco game well i've
1: got to get my son out there at some point so yeah maybe that's when it'll start kickstart back into action again
0: yeah but it it is like I mean, you were saying this is a typical story at least from my perspective my experience doesn't sound like a very typical story for Mm. me you know but it does have that universal sense of dislocation and just being in a few different cultures enough to just say fuck it like let's give this a try yeah and kind of trust your gut on like i don't know that that uh it's not a safe thing to create food that appeals to you on a personal level Mm -hmm. across like these very heavily guarded borders (laughs) i think (laughs) there's,
1: there's similarities though you know you look at how the food I grew up eating was, you know, chutneys and my my grandma always used to dry chilies on her thing, and you know, like she. I grew up around the same kind of ingredients that you have in Mexican food, in the same way that. That's why I'm so interested in Thai food. There's, there's so many different kind of processes that are exactly the same amongst so many different cultures, and I know people have gone on about that for very long. But like the making of nam and making of salsas, and making of chutneys. Yeah. There's, there's certain elements which are just kind of homogenous amongst the three. You know, and I find a lot of inspiration amongst that crossover, and it's the reason why I cook so much Thai food, which is obviously where we met in Chiang Mai.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I did, what's what's the deal with Thai food? And right, because we had met at Chiang Mai at uh, at Andy Ricker's wedding. Yeah. Um, you you roll deep with the Thai yeah. cookery crowd. Like, how did that get started, and what does that do for Bredos?
1: So, I've always had this huge fascination with just the preparation of I'd love Andy Ricker's books I think they're some of the, my favorite they're the ones that I turn to the most I love his writing and the way that he
0: prepares his food but Andy Ricker new new book out yeah noodles, noodles yeah get it get, get it, today. it. <laughs> um no the, the man is just a stone-cold genius at that stuff
1: yeah he's very approachable I mean remember when we wrote Bredos the Bredos book and I was just trying to get inspiration for a style and it was definitely up there. But, the yeah, the Thai crew, there's a restaurant here called Somsar in London, which is, pound for pound, the best Thai restaurant in Europe. They're trained under D- Big DT, both of them. Um, oh, Mark Dobby actually worked for, uh, He was the head chef at Pok Pok in Brooklyn for, like, four years. Jesus, that's so a So they both had, like, yeah, yeah. the two kind of, like, the gods of Thai food, you know. They both trained underneath both of them. Um, Andy also worked at Bolan for a while, so... They know that shit. And they did, when they first started out, they started in a container around the corner from where I lived in Hackney. And it's a typical Hackney story. They they did this pop up, it lasted a few months. It got reviewed in The Guardian. It, they got 10 out of 10. There's one of only five ever Marino Loughlin 10 out of 10 reviews. And everyone was like, fuck, this is the real Thai food shit. Run there now. They did a crowdfund. They like, exceeded they had to stop it because they're basically just making too much money from it and they, I used to go there every week and I just got to know the guys there and I became fascinated with the food they were making and the way they were making it and then I did a couple of pop at Glastonbury randomly we were off our face and bumped into one of the chefs there and we were like, yeah, there's similarities between Thai food and Mexican food. We should do something about it. And then we did this crazy menu of, like, Thai-Mexican, again, just, like, shitting on each other's culture's food kind of thing. <laughs> but it was bonkers, and it was one of the best menus I think we've ever done. Like, it was it was crazy. It was amazing. Really, really cool taco thing that we did. And then we just kept in touch, cooked together. Is that?
0: Did you say taco?
1: Taco, we call it, It's yeah. it like a takeover. W- yeah, well, with, with it's tacos. a bit cheesy, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But um, <laughs> we're we're, we're, so we're getting all the,
0: all the new words out today. <laughs> but anyway,
1: but, so we got invited to cook in Burma, me and this Thai chef, um, John Shantazrak, his name is. And um, we were cooking in Burma, and the guys at Somsar were in Thailand and about to go on this crazy adventure. And they were like, do you want to come to Rika's wedding party? And then we'll go into the Badlands, as they call it, and yeah. go and get lost to the Lahu tribe. And do some foraging and, and some you said fruit. no way that sounds terrible <laughs> I, like, I would never do so anything
0: <laughs> like that
1: and then yeah then, <laughs> then we just went on this crazy adventure for two weeks into into the badlands yeah.
0: Um, what did you bring back from that? Is there anything that's on the menu now, or is it still kind of uh, simmering in your in your in your mind? Absolutely,
1: no, no. I've um, I did an awful night actually um, at another Thai restaurant, which I believe you've been to, called Smoking Goat.
0: Uh, yeah, we have been to that. I've, I've uh, I seem to revolve around the upstairs, downstairs, uh, yeah. <laughs> Brat and Smoking yeah, Goat. They're uh, great, yeah,
1: they're great, aren't they? So yeah, yeah. I got invited by the head chef there to do awful mondays it's like a thing they do where they just kind of like you just use awful and they're really into it and so we use some of the the uh, like i had this steam buffalo skin salad up in the north of thailand and we we made a similar one for the awful night we did some brain thing that i'd had and we used a lob. Lar- we did like a lob dip kind of version of a lob dip as well it's like blood and you know so yeah i've used loads of those ideas i also brought back like about three massive bunches of maquem <laughs> from the tree so we had to get rid of that you got to figure another. out some some yeah.
0: some way to get that going now you had mentioned uh samsa had that 10 out of 10 uh yeah. right from Marino lachlan she uh she did a review which i was just reading before you got here again of uh of you guys which was sort of it was kind of funny because she was just like you know she basically said this food punches me in the face and I don't always like it or something, but you know, but ultimately it was positive. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a sense of like, I don't know, from, from your perspective, like how, how do you get received? Like, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like London was ready for these things that you're doing? Because they are kind of loud, Mm. (laughs) like purposely.
1: I think um, when we first, when we first opened Bredo's, the restaurant in Clark well, the first one, there was a feeling from my side, especially in the kitchen, that I, that we, I, I just wanted to create food that no one else was doing and then nothing like that existed, kind of, you know, and that kind of led us down the path of going, well, let's, you know, let's just be loud and let's just kind of just have absolutely no boundaries in what we do. And it's a typical kind of like, I was quite young at the time, I was, wasn't young but i was young in the world of food maybe yeah as i still am but um my attitude was like i don't give a fuck this has got like they? i'm 37 oh yeah so i was like 20 i was 31 at the time i think 32 33 yeah. maybe um and at the time we just wanted to do something that and as i said three or four other mexican restaurants were opening at the same time all with a very kind of authentic focus so our thing was like fuck it we're doing right out there food which i loved and i still do but then as the years have kind of gone by, the, we, we've realised that there's elements where that out there food can live on our menu, but we can't just have a full menu of just like uni and mahogany clams. Like I was getting the same mahogany clams that Rene gets from... Um, do you know Roddy Sloan up in north of Luferton, this guy that just dives for mahogany clams? I, I feel it. like
0: I I need to get to know Roddy Sloan oh, from like, north of Luferton, but no I, was, I don't.
1: He's like this crazy he, he's this crazy guy who just goes diving for the what Insane seafood in the north of the, Norway, and the mad clamor of he, Norway. He ships out to like and Noma, and then at one point, Bredo's which right. is just bonkers. And we had these like twenty-five-pound clams on the menu. People like, Jesus is that all Christ. I'm getting in a Takaria for twenty-five quid?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that, that that is interesting too, because that that style of like, um, you can only like murder people's expectations so much, you know, I guess yeah. you can, you can, you can kind of destroy like three out of seven expectations, but yeah. you got to leave those other four there. Exactly. Uh, so it's like, you know, they're, they're getting the authentic thing or they're getting the the price they expect, yeah, or, exactly. you know, something but like that. It's,
1: no matter how hard we try there's still, the, the two biggest selling items on our menu are the massive fried chicken taco and the Baja fish taco without outfit, like, Ten to one on anything we put on, yeah. Like they're the ones. So oh, man.
0: now, now I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling pedestrian <laughs> for having, uh, having done my. Uh... <laughs> but it is like it's it's you know it's the kind of you you want to set a measurement you know yeah and that's uh that that is an easy recall for us i would have no idea how to compare your mahogany clam taco <laughs> with you know anything else i'd probably ever had but baja fish taco can live safely on a on a yeah. kind of uh you know on a scale uh, of one to a fucking great the the, um,
1: the clam taco came uh, it was a tostada it came from um, Sabina Bandera. The, all the inspiration behind it was from La Gurenza in, yeah. in, in Bar in Ensenada, which is just still... I, I just wrote an article, actually, about for Great British Chefs about I'm doing this series about regional Mexican food. And, uh, uh,
0: I saw that with, with photos on Instagram story and everything. Yeah,
1: we'd, so we'd, I kind of like yeah that, that that experience of eating her food for the first time was kind of quite mind-blowing yeah. it still lingers in my memory is something that's quite life-changing so there me. are analogs out there absolutely for the Mahogany clam yeah all
0: right let's do one brief pour uh and then as a as a final to our time together i want to i want to hear what you're going to be up to next
1: um at the moment do you know what i i feel like getting i feel like i'm getting to a point where i'd like to kind of get back in the kitchen and kind of reassess everything that we're doing once just to kind of like my art teacher once told me um don't be afraid of killing your babies in terms of the artwork that we're producing like just never think you're done so thinking about getting back in the kitchen and redoing that um i've been doing a project in oslo called Maze, which is a kind of don't even get me started on what it is. I guess it's like a nor- Norwegian produce-focused Mexican restaurant. So it's a pop-up using like in the winter just ferments and whatever else, and in the summer just using whatever we can forage and find and whatever's growing. So it's very much kind of grounded in the Norwegian mentality. Jesus,
0: because it was too easy to kind <laughs> of like reproduce Mexican-style ingredients in London. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: yeah, I don't know. Maze just became, it was a, I moved to Oslo. I live in between Oslo and London and it became a thing that I just really loved. I worked in a, in a bar called Brutus there, a restaurant bar. And they just had this fermentation bunker, and I just lost my mind in there. Literally, I was just like, "Fuck! Can I use that! What about this? What about that?" And, and literally, we were making like the most insane.
0: It does sound Mexican like a, a great place to go crazy—a fermentation bunker, you know? Yeah,
1: it's um, under the restaurant, and it was, half of half. It was illegal, but it's great. So I'd like to focus on that for a bit. We also have another brand called Super Tacos, which is authentic. Finally, it's carne asada, pollo asado. And hongos, and that's it. And we and we do um, tacos at Adobada, like uh, from yeah. Tijuana. So like the you know Los Tacos number one. You probably know that. From, yeah, yeah. So you're stuff. just
0: you're just playing the hits with that.
1: That is the menu never changes. It's the same thing every day, day in day out. Alcarban, so cooked over coal, really nice, really simple. And that's kind of like as authentic as we'll we'll get. You know. So it's just kind of like doing those three projects and cooking with lots of friends and people around the world. I've been traveling a lot getting into writing a bit more
0: you have been moving around Mm. um but it is that that, you know there's a yin yang that you'll never quite balance out yeah like how much cooking how much writing yeah
1: Um, i'm really into because i spend so much time traveling now and i kind of got i just stopped being able to read books i don't know why but my mind was flitting around so now i've I've got into writing a lot and Got a couple of good gigs writing for some local food mags and stuff, and I'm really into it. Getting really into kind of analyzing language and structure and that kind of stuff, so a bit more of that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, fuck you because I can't cook, (laughs) I don't have that option. All I got is writing, but uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll see one of these guys. Andy's one of them, uh, you know, he'd written for us too, but it's just like yeah every once in a while you see one of these guys who can cook like a dream yeah. come and write and start <laughs> fucking around in our world and I'm like I mean I <laughs> celebrate it and part of me is like steal his it. pen <laughs> stay in the kitchen don't look me. <laughs> don't make me look bad because when I'm in the kitchen nobody wants to read what I'm writing there like uh, so anyway that is uh, I'm so thrilled that, uh, that you made the time around church o'clock to drink some mezcal Man, with me
1: absolute pleasure uh, an honor thank you
0: Awesome. All right, Mood. Cheers, dude. Cheers. Nice to meet you again. The trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. On this episode, Taffy Mokignadzi was our editor, Emily Marinoff, our producer, Alexa Van Sickle, our online editor. Music by Dan the Automator. Episode artwork by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. A few updates since we recorded this episode in the before-COVID times. After a lengthy shutdown during the pandemic, Bredo's London and much of the Bredo's empire is open again for business, with one special new addition, Bredo's Oslo, where Nud is living with his family and where he is back in the kitchen bringing that West Coast taco style to Norway. The next episode on this feed will be a brand new everywhere episode as our Berlin series continues with author and comedian Jennifer Neal, who is drinking herbal tea with me, talking about Germans and jaywalking and living overseas while black. She is very funny. She's very smart. And I think that you will like the episode. We will meet you there.